Welcome to episode 121 of Radio 815, the podcast dedicated to examining the work of Ruddy director J.J. Abrams, as well as his greater Bad Robot Universe. I'm your host for this week. My name is Marcelo Unisrosa, joined as always by my fellow co-host, Matt Crandall. And on today's edition of the show, we're going to be discussing Fringe Season 4, episodes 16 through 17. So the first episode up is the episode entitled Nothing As It Seems. So Matt, I have a question for you. I have a strong sense of deja vu. Is there something wrong with me? There is nothing wrong with you because in this remix timeline, we have been hitting a few cases that are vaguely familiar. This one is entirely familiar because it starts beat for beat the exact same as the case in the episode The Transformation in Season 1, where a dude on a plane says, give me all your tranquilizers, takes a little COVID test, starts to freak out, and then turns into a crazy version of Sonic the Hedgehog and murders everyone. And I like that we're revisiting this, and at first, it's just playing out almost exactly the same as that Season 1 episode, where if there hadn't been a previously on Fringe at the at the top, you might think, is Fox airing a rerun? What is happening here? But in the original story, the guy hulks out on the plane and shit goes awry. And in this, he stops it and he lands and he gets taken into custody by the TSA and then hulks out and goes crazy. So I thought revisiting something that we have seen before, if you are an avid viewer, is great. If you don't know that this is a recreation, obviously... Olivia and Peter start to explain that as they get the details of the case. But as a viewer, we can basically just be doing the Leonardo DiCaprio point for the first five minutes because it's like, hey, I know this. I know this. This is the thing. So what are you thinking as literally the opening? If you had missed that previously on, you might think you were watching a rerun. I got so confused because like you mentioned, the opening is a beep for beat retelling of the episode from the first season. So when I turned it on to watch our episodes this week, I was like, wait a minute. I had to I had to watch it twice before I realized what the hell was happening. So guys, guys, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I I loved that they took an episode from from a past season and they sort of remixed it. Like Matt said, they've been doing that with several other ones, but I really think that this one played better than a lot of the ones that we've seen previously. And the reason for that is this episode has a has a Beauty and the Beast kind of feel to it. Between the between the romance between the porcupine and and the woman that is trying to make the porcupine reach evolution, on that same regard, she's trying to better herself for 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 some particular reason. So I really liked that this episode went to went back to something that we've seen before, like I said, but I also really liked that uh, this episode had a, a Romeo and Juliet kind of vibe to it. And I also appreciated that the main villain of this episode, who didn't have much to do, but she was a woman. I really appreciated that because in Fringe, lately, what we've been having is men doing all the bad stuff. So it was really nice to have a woman, a woman baddie this week. Right. And she, there is some sort of weird Beauty and the Beast thing as she is helping this creature along 
to reach the next stage. And as this all unfolds, we do find out that this is all orchestrated by David Robert Jones, who has created this drug to try and basically bring this human transformation project and create all these monsters to what end exactly we're kind of up in the air about. But, you know, we've seen the porcupine creature before, but in this, it's around long enough because there are more than one. There's the one in the opening who does the TSA stuff, and then we find out there's another one, his accomplice, and this woman is orchestrating this and nurturing it so that it grows wings and it can fly, and they're stealing stuff from these labs by flying this giant flying porcupine bat monster thing, and it is like a weird Beauty and the Beast kind of thing going on. So I actually like the mystery of the week being this remix of something we're vaguely familiar with. The other super interesting stuff is all about Olivia. Olivia's memories, and at the beginning, she is in a psyche eval at work, and they're asking her questions. And she gets a bunch of questions about her sister Rachel and her home life wrong. Which I can't blame her, because Fringe completely forgot about Rachel a few years ago, so the fact that we're supposed to remember everything about Rachel is going out a little bit on a limb, because Rachel and Ella are long in the rear view, and even us as viewers are like, oh shit, yeah, I forgot they even fucking existed at this point. But she does the test, and Broyles is like, yeah, uh, 40% of that shit you just said is not true to you. It's the other Olivia, so like, we gotta put you on probation here. And so the whole time, she's kind of reluctantly getting involved because she doesn't want to get in trouble when she is benched. Now, to Peter, this is not the worst news in the world because he's starting to come around after the end of last episode where they had their big swirling camera kiss. And now that he knows that this is his Olivia, it's just that the memories had been stripped away. So I enjoyed the balance of her being upset, but kind of not not like a life ruiner that these new memories are taking over. And in fact, it becomes key because when they are trying to track down the accomplice in this transformation thing, Peter doesn't remember the name of the guy, but he's like, but my Olivia would remember. And so they ask Olivia and she does remember and that helps them proceed in the case. So finally, it's actually kind of good. And as our Olivia starts to come through in this timeline. I like the dynamic of now her and Peter have this shared history that everyone else doesn't have, which is actually exemplified in the best, funniest way when they have to go see Markham in this new remix timeline at the bookshop, and he doesn't know them. Because in this version, he doesn't know Peter, he doesn't know Olivia, but they they remember the old Markham, and as they're getting information from him to solve this mystery of the week... There's a few funny jokes where, you know, they know more about him than he knows about them. What did you think as we're tracking down this symbol and we get Markham back in the mix here in the remix? In this remix timeline, Markham doesn't remember Olivia or Peter. So it was it was great to see them use Markham and joke around with him a little bit. But I do want to backtrack to Olivia having to go through the psych eval. Um, That to me made me really, really kind of angry. And the reason for that is uh, this is something kind of personal. So every year I have to do a psych eval to keep getting certain things from the state, which I need. 
And it always bothered me how anyone who's doing a psycho vow, like they seem like they're on your, they, they seem like they're on your side to a certain point, but it, it, it always seems to me that they're always trying to catch you in a lie. And they're not trying to see if you are, if you are psychologically found, if you are psychologically sound, what they're trying to do is trip you up. And during that scene with Olivia, I thought that the that shrink that works for the FBI was trying to slip up Olivia. She didn't have Olivia's best interest at heart. Maybe I read that scene wrong, or maybe I was bringing too much of my personal experience into the scene. The other thing that I felt during this episode is as fun as it was to watch Peter and Olivia have this bond now because essentially Olivia is back. It was really sad for everybody else who who hasn't quite uh, got their memories back or, or perhaps will never get their memories back. So it was kind of sad to see that disconnect between um, Peter, Olivia and every and everyone else, especially, especially I'm going to get to him in just a second because you because, you know, I love him. My man, Lincoln. Oh, I felt so bad for Lincoln in this episode. So bad. Well, and I knew that's where you were heading when you started to mention, because I'm like, I don't feel bad for any of these people, except Lincoln does give a lot of these, like, lost puppy dog looks because he was starting to fall for Olivia, and now that Peter's back, he's out of the picture. And in this episode, Lincoln does get injured. Walter thinks that he may be infected by the virus, so they sideline Lincoln a little bit, but he gets some good scenes with Walter where they are digging into what could actually be going on to solve this mystery of the week. Obviously, Lincoln has been giving these longing looks and these hurt, sad guy eyes in a lot of the episodes, and that's all going to come to a bigger payoff in the next episode we talk about. But in this one, as they are realizing that Lincoln could be infected and how this infection works, they start to realize that the reason that this transformation is successful is because of these drugs that slow the transformation, but then also they discover that fat is vital. So like this monster needs to suck down all this fat and they realize they probably are getting it from plastic surgery clinics when they're disposing of like their liposuction fat storage, um, almost in like a fight club. We're going to steal this and make soap out of it kind of way. That's what the monster is doing. So they find out how they can know where the monster is going to be. And Lincoln is instrumental in leading the team to the monster's lair. And they realize a second too late that the monster is nocturnal and there's a big shootout. And they bring the woman in for questioning and they don't get much out of it. But the monster is killed and it is satisfying. But then we get the the final reveal where basically they say, you know, who would ever want to volunteer to take these drugs and do this next evolution transformation? Like, how is David Robert Jones recruiting these people to do this? And then we cut to the woman, and she's with Felix Gaeta from Battlestar Galactica. And uh, she's like, let's take the drugs, honey. And he's like, I'll do anything for you. And we find out that she's luring like these guys through her feminine wiles to then take the drugs. And we see that they both transform into the monsters and they are on a ship that is full of crates that I can only assume we're taking all of these crates of monsters to the Raiders of the Lost Ark warehouse across the ocean. 
And all of the monsters that we see are monsters that we have seen in previous Fringe episodes. So I thought that was really cool. And it is David Robert Jones who is collecting these monsters for the next evolution in human whatever. And that's sort of where the, the episode ends, seeing this menagerie that he is assembling on this ship. The, the final sequence of this episode really reminded me of the, the, the alias episode where Sid, where Sydney find, finds that they've been drugged and knocked out and they find, and they wake up on a ship. I'm like that, that final scene had so, so many alias vibes to me that I thought it was, I thought it was really, really interesting. They also used the number, uh, 47, uh, 47, I believe, which is, which is a number that comes, that, that comes up a lot within bad robot. But before we move on to the final episode that we're going to talk about this week, the other thing that I want to mention, um, I really liked the respect that was shown between Peter and Lincoln in this episode. Cause, cause there's a scene where Peter basically says to Lincoln, Oh, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of sorry that this is happening to you and this and that. And Peter says, how do you really feel about this? And Lincoln goes, ah, well, it's kind of weird, but you know, if she loves you, she loves you. So, I I really liked that these two guys didn't get into get, didn't get into a pissy contest over Olivia and the fact that while they're doing the raid on the liposuction clinic Lincoln gets gets himself into some hot water he almost he almost dies right and Peter's the one that bails him out so I do like that they have they have Olivia in common but they don't use Olivia as a as a measuring tool you know to, to, to measure their manhood, basically. So I really, really like that. Yeah, that was good. And I do think it was smart. It would be a totally different story if Lincoln and Olivia were actually a couple and she had forgotten him. And I'm glad that they didn't go that route. So it's not like they were boyfriend, girlfriend, and now she has moved on to Peter. It was like the possibility of something emerging has been taken away from Lincoln, which is why he can't be too much of a stick in the mud about it. Because it's not like him and Olivia were actually together. They had not gotten to that stage yet. He would be like a whiny piece of shit if he was acting out over a woman who he had a crush on, but like nothing had actually happened yet. So I'm glad that they they kind of pumped the brakes and him and Peter do have that nice moment where Peter's like, I get it, dude, it's tough, but also like, this is the real deal. We're in love. So sorry. <laughs> and us as viewers are like, yeah, tough luck, Lincoln, go cry about it. <laughs> and, uh, at least me as a viewer, I'm like tough luck, drink more of that mint flavored shit that you don't like. So I'm, I appreciated the angle they took cause they could have gone down a bad road and they didn't by the end of the episode. It is worth noting that Broyles knows that Olivia intervened on this case, even though she was supposed to be benched. She says like, oh, I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. And he says, stop. Okay. And this is a really earnest and well done moment with Lance Reddick really performing well. But the dialogue of it felt almost like Anchorman to me because Broyles goes, if you are 40% of Olivia Dunham, well, 40% of Olivia Dunham is better than 60% of the agents that 100% of the time aren't as good as 69% of, and he basically says, I'd rather have a little bit Olivia Dunham that I know 
over some strange jackass that I don't. So you're you're reinstated. But I just love that he basically was sex panthering in this really sincere monologue. 68% of the time it works every time is what he was saying about Olivia Dunham. And so it, it deflated the moment a little bit, the fact that they wrote it that way. But by the end of it, I'm glad that they realized, even if this is a different memories have taken over, that other Olivia Dunham was the fucking best agent they had. So why would they ever even think of benching her? And we only had to bench her for this one episode, but she still actually rode shotgun the whole time. So I'm glad it wasn't a, you know, four episode thing where Olivia had to to play on the side. All right. And on that note, we move on to the final episode that we're going to discuss this week. The episode is entitled Everything in Its Right Place. So, Matt, I have another question for you. I think I truly belong here. And your guy Lincoln is starting to wonder where he belongs. And this episode for Marcelo, I'm sure you were clapping and cheering because this is like the Lincoln Lee apology tour where they finally give him a lot of stuff to do. So they're like, Seth Gable, we know we made you a series regular and we've kind of saddled you with a thankless job most of this season. But finally, we're going to let you play in the dual roles as our Lincoln Lee still kind of in sad sack mode goes to the other side to help them with this case. And so him and Folivia get a lot of scenes together and he gets some scenes with the other Lincoln. But this really shines the spotlight on him and him struggling now that the Olivia he was starting to fall in love with is turning into our Olivia. He doesn't have a lot of frame of reference of Folivia, but in the time that he spends with her on that side, we can see that there might be something there. He he starts to form these bonds that by the end of this episode, sometimes trauma can bring people together. And there is some trauma that is created that may, in a weird way, start to bond Lincoln Lee and faux Livia in a way that we didn't expect before this. I really love this episode, duh, guys, because 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 I've been I've been pro Lincoln ever since he showed up on the show. I really like this episode because this episode really harkens back to the first time that Lincoln was seen on our screams in Fringe. So basically, the case that Lincoln helps the French team from the other universe figure out is uh, the case of a, the case of a shapeshifter who is murdering a bunch of folks and who is changing bodies so quick that they can't, that they can't really catch up to him or they can't really identify him. The writers of this episode took something from the first time that we saw Lincoln and tied it back in to this episode. It, this episode really felt like a, like a full circle moment for Lincoln Lee. Finally, we're letting him do stuff. Yeah. And, and also, also the other thing that I really enjoy while, while Lincoln is is investigating uh, the case with the fringe team from the other universe. We find out that because of the bridge in between the two worlds, that uh, a lot of the amber sections in the alternate universe are healing, and those amber sections are disappearing. So we find out that the alternate universe is healing itself. Yeah, I thought that was a really cool, interesting thing that we didn't know is that the damage that had been done slowly is getting better. And so I thought that was really interesting that we're seeing the ramifications of this bridge and the stabilization between universes. And that was really cool. And I do like that when Lincoln goes to the other side, 
he's the guy who knows more about what's going on than that team fringe. And he can say, this is shapeshifters. This is Jones's agenda. And this is probably why this is going on. So I like that he gets to be top dog in a way as this is unfolding. And they do get a lot of action and chasing down this guy as he's going from body to body and murdering and murdering. And that is all really good. But then, of course, the big the big thing is that as him and that Olivia get closer, by the end of this, there is the big action scene where their version of Lincoln gets shot in the chest. And as we go on and, you know, they're starting to put bows on stuff at the very end, we find out that their version of Lincoln dies. So that was actually a fatal wound and he doesn't survive it. So our Lincoln is now the only Lincoln standing between these two universes because him and the other Olivia started to bond. He goes to visit her and he's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be here because I remind you of your dead best friend. But it's actually kind of comforting to her in those moments. And finally, we're giving him more to do than just be the sidekick or the speed bump in the relationship of our Peter and Olivia and seeing him be smart, be able to know what's going on, weave in and out of the weird shapeshifter case, and then be the last man standing of the two Lincolns, we do start to think maybe there is more here for him on this side than there is on our side, as it's increasingly becoming something that he feels left out of. Like, his place in our universe is getting smaller and maybe his place in the other universe by the end of this is getting bigger. Also, you said that in this episode, Lincoln got a chance to step up and really and really show the fringe team from the alternate universe what he has to offer them. But I really like the way that the fringe from the the fringe team from the alternate universe is portrayed because our fringe team from our universe they work in the shadows. They don't want attention, right? Any any time that our fringe team investigates the death of someone, the loved ones are told by the FBI that the FBI will continue to look for their loved ones, but they're never given answers. And I feel that the alt fringe team from the alternate universe is actually more in the public and is actually more present. So I, I, I did thought that that was an interesting quirk that the writers of this episode added in to further to further to further drive home that Lincoln has a better chance of being useful with this team as opposed to being useful with our team. Yeah, that was really good and I do like that as he's on that other side, the other Nina is back on her side and she's doing some evil shit and I like that we tie back to this how did David Robert Jones escape so quickly with this we had the tracking device and we used some of these things from previous episodes come back in this one. So, you know, evil Nina, if Broyles is an accomplice or not, and what's going on on that side. So I like that we're bringing back a few of these things that we have done previous and we're exploring them a little bit more to ramp things up as we're heading into this back couple of episodes for hopefully a big finale. But I also like that sometimes along the way, we can still get those funny moments where we hit another difference between the universes. And one of the things I just want to call out, you know, in previous, we've seen Red Lantern, Green Lantern kind of stuff or Red Arrow, Green Arrow. 
And there's another superhero reference in this where our Lincoln is talking about Batman and they're like, the fuck? And he's like, you know, the Dark Knight, you know, Batman, billionaire playboy, whatever. And they're like, oh, you mean Mantis? And he's like, what? <laughs> and yeah, that's that's Mantis on our side. And I thought that was really funny that, uh, again, we're showing the subtle differences through pop culture and comics. And I, I, again, am reminded, like, I wonder what West Wing is doing in season 12 on that side. What's the Bartlett administration up to in that timeline? Yeah, um, actually... That that moment really had me in stitches um, when 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 the alt universe said, Bruce Wayne, Batman, what are you talking about? Are you talking about Mantis? I'm like, really? The alternate universe its name for Batman is Mantis. Good God. Um, but the but I really love this episode. Like if that's not coming through, you guys need to turn up your volume. But I'm really up. The, the only thing I didn't like about this episode is that I'm really upset. That Nina, I want her to face some consequences. So I hope in the few episodes that we have remaining this season that that the fringe writers really tell us what Nina's grand plan actually is. And also, I really think that I really think that um, the alternate fringe team has a rat in their in their midst. And I think their agent Broyles is in league with Nina for some particular reason. So I hope those concerns are addressed here in the few episodes that we have remaining uh, for the fourth season here. I think they will be because yes, we know that Broyles is working with that Nina. We don't know if he just doesn't realize what her agenda actually is or why their Colonel Broyles is up to that shady shit. But I'm sure that in the next couple episodes, a rat will be smoked out. Let's hope. All right, guys. So on that dramatic note, I think that'll do it. For this edition of Radio 815, listen, guys, if you like anything that if you like anything that we do here and you want to reach out to us, there are a couple ways for you to do that. First, you can just reach out to us on Twitter by simply using the hashtag Radio 815 or you can reach out to us on our personal Twitter, JJ Universe 815. If you want to talk to me personally about anything fringe related or not fringe related, I'm also on Twitter. I'm at Creek Fanatic 88. But Matt, if the folks at home want to talk to you about anything, what would be the best place for them to do that on? On Twitter, at Matt Crandall. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, we'll talk back soon. Radio 815 is a Balloonhead Productions presentation in association with Killer Newt Productions.